rather than have them demonstrating or marching in the streets. And that's what Thatcher said. That's why she passed the laws to keep the pubs open. I also saw people uh, in the, the streets that I lived in get tremendously depressed when they lost their work. Now, some people committed suicide. It was going through the roof. And yet, when you turned on that television set, you'd think that everything was just hunky-dory. On came the usual comedy sitcoms, uh, the usual programs, all the American detective stories that would uh, replay in Britain. And as long as the routine was established and kept going, the public it seemed to turn a blind eye to what was happening next door or, or two or three houses down when people were going through tremendous strife and poverty. And people were afraid, almost like bad karma, they're afraid to, to go near those people in case they catch it and lose their jobs too. It was a strange phenomenon to, to observe. And yet we see the same thing happening uh, in, in America as well, North America. And in fact, across, across the world, as they bring us down into a new feudal system. The feudal system that Professor Carl Quigley talked about in his book Tragedy and Hope. This new society that has many helpers, many different kinds of helpers, including their own religious helpers, the new age phenomena. Uh, it, it's all geared towards bringing in this new feudal society with the, the corporations being the feudal overlords. However, every overlord, like the old lords, were always subservient to a main king. And I'm sure these overlords, too, the CEOs, are kept in line uh, to make sure they don't uh, do too much looting off their own businesses. They've got to obey their boss. There's always a boss above them. And there, there's definitely guiding forces and panels and organizations that run this whole agenda that intermeshes so perfectly in every facet of life. Not only so, it plans the culture. It has planned and run the culture industry for an awful long time, but never so efficiently, really, as, as the last 50 or 60 years. People become uh, the culture that's promoted to them via television in Hollywood. And I've talked before about this, how in the 60s they had a meeting in Britain with the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs where they discussed which country would be given the task of promoting a world culture. Now that was for music and for drama, like movies and so on. And it was a toss-up between California and London at the time, at the Pinewood Studios and different uh, cinema organizations there. And it was decided that Hollywood would be given the task of promoting the culture, knowing the herd simply follow. Not a new discovery. Plato talked about it in the Republic. Uh, the people mimic what they see. Uh, and, you know, going back even to the Victorian era, in the Victorian era, they put out the vaudeville-type uh, houses for the general public when they began to give them, or at least some of them, more free time. You didn't work the usual 16 hours per day. They cut it down to about 12. And to stop people getting into mischief, the working people, and discussing things and discussing problems and doing something about it, they gave them vaudeville shows and so on. Body acts, they call them, B-A-W-D-Y. And the whole thing was, was very similar. And they gave them music that would suit their class, in fact. Uh, popular music, they called it at the time, the first time they turned 
popular music and people come out of those theatres whistling or, or singing or humming the tunes, the very simple tunes that, that were given, tunes that had been reinforced by watching the drama enacted in the musical on stage, purposely made for particular classes and made very inexpensive. The same system was carried out across the, the entire Western world by the same ruling elite running it. We've always been so perfectly, perfectly understood that it's rather terrifying at times to realize that they were scientifically uh, run. It's all by science and behaviorism. Behavior modification is a simple, very simple part of it in this day and age because the herd especially is more understood. And they call it the herd in the high institutions. We are the herd. Even medicine calls us the herd. When they talk about plagues and so on and outbreaks, they call it herd management. Shouldn't surprise us, really, when you think about it, because we're living in this new beautiful system where scientific dictatorship is coming to the fore. This is an article, in fact, I'm going to read now on this particular topic, and it's from The Telegraph, and it's from the 14th of February, 2008, by Roger Highfield, science editor. It says, crowds pick leaders to follow. People in crowds behave just like sheep, scientists claim, by blindly following one or two people who seem to know where they are going. Then it goes on to say, like ants, humans are easily led. Researchers at Leeds University believe their findings could have important applications, notably in the management of disasters. Now that's just one sideline to it. The team, led by Professor Jens Cross, conducted a series of experiments in which volunteers were told to walk randomly around a large hall without talking to each other. A select few were then given more detailed instructions. Results published today show that it takes a minority of just 5% of what they called informed individuals to influence the direction of a crowd of a minimum of 200 people. The remaining herd, and it says herd, of 95% follow without realizing it. There are strong parallels with animal grouping behavior, says Professor Krause, who reports the work with John Dyer in the Animal Behavior Journal with colleagues at the universities of Oxford and Wales Bangor. We've all been in situations where we get swept along by the crowd, but what's interesting about this research is that our participants ended up making a consensus decision despite the fact that they weren't allowed to talk or gesture to one another. In most cases, the participants didn't realize they were being led by others. And that's interesting in itself, isn't it? The work follows another study by Dr. Simon Reeder of Utrecht University that showed that most of us are happy to play follow my leader even if we are trailing after someone who does not really know where they're going. Ain't that the truth? Even more striking, that study found that even when we are shown a faster route, we still prefer to stick with the old one and tell others to take the long road too. Uh, again, that's what we find. People are trying to be different. The herd will try and bring you in, even if they don't know where they're going. That discovery could have lethal implications when it comes to evacuating a building or a ship in an emergency when people would likely stick to the familiar evacuation route, 
even if slower than an alternative. So there you go. You know, these studies are done all the time. This isn't really a new study. It's only another one being done along the similar lines because we are the most studied species on the planet. I don't think there's any insect or animal studied so much as we have been for thousands and thousands of years. And that's why we have uh, this tremendous interest in people. Uh, tyrants especially have tremendous interest in people because they need to understand how the masses think or, or don't think, in fact. They have to know how to manipulate the minds of all of their minions. And uh, unfortunately, as I say, most people like to belong to the big group and they like to belong to any group, actually, as long as they'll take them. And once in, they learn the customs, rituals, etc., when you speak, when not to speak. And, uh, and everyone else will keep you in line if you try and do something different. That's the problem with the herd. Uniformity is the term. Everyone wants to be uniform. Now, I think we've got a call already coming in here. And uh, it's from, uh, I think it's Dave in British Columbia. Yeah, you're there, Dave? Hi, Al. Hello. I, uh, I called yesterday and uh, I was talking about the Mercury and Autism. Yes. I a caller that was interested in the name of the uh, website there. I'll give you the spelling of the guy's name. Yeah. Uh, David Ayub. It's A-Y-O-U-B. And the name of the video is um, Mercury, Autism, and the Global Vaccine Agenda. Mm-hmm. And he, he has some really good points and some documentation on uh, what happened in the, around 72 and 74 with studies done on world population. Yeah. And how it was basically uh, an urgent, immediate measure to be taken to reduce um, fertility in 1974. I've no doubt on it. I've no doubt. The whole, when you understand the big, I'm going to read an article later about population reduction from one of the biggest organizations now mandating we push ahead and do it by force. Um, When you realize these organizations have been in existence for about 100 years and have had annual meetings and then multiple meetings within each year on this very problem, um, we shouldn't be surprised when so many things that we take for granted are actually parts of an agenda to to fulfill their part of the agenda. They don't get paid big money and work for a hundred years in these big foundations to sit on their hands and make wish lists. There's, they find ways to introduce their schemes within, into the public domain and to make them work. And you're quite right. It's the same with the cholesterol bogus nonsense. I mean, cholesterol is essential uh, for healthy brain neurons and most of your brain is, is composed of it. Right. And especially for men, uh, you need it too for fertility. You cannot get healthy sperm uh, without a, a good intake of cholesterol. Right. And, so, and they know this, and that's why they went like, the anti-cholesterol route, trying to, to bring out fancy diets and, and starve us from cholesterol. It's all to do with bringing down the population. Yeah, yeah it's pretty obvious. You can see it pretty clearly once you start to read the documents. <laughs> It's kind of disturbing, and it's um, you have to be pretty insane to start thinking along the lines like these guys do. So, you got to realize you're, you're dealing with, with people who are religious in nature. They have their own religion, and they're, they're zealots with their religion. 
and it's a it's a sort of nature type wor- uh, worship. It's also eugenics type worship. They believe they are superior. They believe they are the ultimate creation, and that they have the right to control the rest of us. Right. I'll be back with more after the following messages. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Alan. Like a worshipful master and everything, 
Now, he's a devout Christian, and, and he's finally starting to go, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> this stuff is, is just not adding up. And I'm like, well, wait till I show you about your own dogma, Pop. But, you know, yeah. um, the, 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 you know, and they had these guys that came in when I was raised up, if you will, to the third degree, called the Sons of Hiram, that were these, you know, you know reenactors or whatever. And I don't remember that much about the thing other than the fact that they, you know, knock you in the head with a mallet and pull you back up, you know, and, and uh, they had, you know, the, the guy that supposedly told on the Masons, what was his name, something Morgan? That's right, Morgan, he was killed, yeah. yeah. And and yet they turn around and name a rum after him and, and market it, right? Of course, of course, and of course it's dark rum for the dark forces, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, so... It's, if you don't run, in, if if you run in, like that whole thing, I've heard you tell, I've heard you tell Tim again, is that you know in the uh, land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, yep. and that sounds so warped. But it's like you want to find some other kings or other one-eyed folks like yourself, just to go, okay. Otherwise, I'm on the verge of going mad just because I don't fit in what you know they call society. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, what they call the norm. So uh, that, that's that right. Speaks. Yeah. That being yeah. said, one other thing, I went back and listened to your Christmas blurb, and I, I used to play. I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, just drums. It's not really a musician thing. I just beat things with sticks. But, you know, it's the, uh, just going back, and I didn't thank you at the time, but that, that story, well, first of all, the piece that you played for us was just astounding, and especially when you consider what they tried to do to your hand. Mm-hmm. And so, again, thank you, thank you for a wonderful gift. And on that, also, I don't remember if you touched on it or somebody else that was talking about at the various premieres of the classical piece. I can't remember who the composer was, but Rites of Spring, didn't they riot? Uh, yeah, there was riots. Uh, they were playing lots of different sounds back in those days to see the effect on the audience and the disharmonics and so on. That would make your, it's, it's like pulling your nails down a blackboard uh, it uh, puts the hair up the back of your neck, and they found that people were getting irritable and, and argumentative, and, and even some of them were getting violent. So they, they, they did a lot of experimentation, absolutely, with these uh, big composers back then. Yeah. And yet nobody, you know, like you tell somebody, well, uh, again, like we've all said, you can't even get somebody to look up at the sky. How you can. You can. Again, it's the it's the herd instinct. You see, when you have when you have no survival in a herd, there's always a, a few prime animals that are always on uh, guard. They're the ones who watch everything. They watch out for the herd, and the herd can graze peaceably. Um, when the herd literally have lost all their survival instincts, they're called domesticated. They're dom- a domestic herd, and that's how they term humans now. The domesticated herd. They, they cannot look out for themselves. They expect some uh, some of the, the higher ones to do it all for them. And that's what I was reading from one of Young's pieces last week there, was that very topic when he said, when you're not in charge of your own life, then someone else is. Uh, and that's so true, yeah. Now, something else, I don't know how much time you spent in the southern United States or not, but have you ever seen a southern turkey farm? No. Yeah, we used to have them, and, and, and the deal is, and we had turkeys in our backyard. And we just went, and I, we, I forget how many we had. I think we had eight or ten, you know, at, at the most at any given time. But if you took, sorry, I'm sliding into my southern accent. If you if you if you built a high high fence, these things would fly over and climb on the wood pile. They'd figure some way to soar over the thing. But if yeah. you left the thing right about their head height only, uh-huh. 
they, they really wouldn't look at it as an obstacle, and they just mull around the thing thinking they could walk around it and never get out. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's how it's, it's worked. I remember there was a, a guy called into a place in Europe because there was a wild boar farm uh, that had been abandoned long ago, and in this area there were wild boars there with the tusks and everything. And they tried everything. They catch them. The different ministries of agriculture, and they tried to catch them. They couldn't do it. So eventually, one old guy came along with his truck, and he says, he's, he's "Give me the money, and, and uh, two weeks, uh, three weeks, I'll do it for you." And he he simply brought to feed in a part of about half a mile away to let them see him. He'd drop some there and go off, and he kept doing that. And every time they allowed him to get closer and closer, and eventually he was dropping off the feed while he was driving in the, the piles to put the fence around them. And that took another week and a half to do, and they let him do it. Just gradualism, yeah. Just a matter of being patient. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the me oh, and one last thing, and I've heard Andrea touch on it, and you've had a couple of callers, and I believe one of the I try and make notes. Uh, one of the guys was a guy named I think it was Boomer from Michigan, and he was the one talking about we've got to get off this racism thing. Yeah. And he's he's absolutely right. And, and I mean, and you had another guy call in, and I don't remember his name. I'm like I'm horrific with that stuff. But he was another one from Michigan. Was the leader of I thought like the Detroit Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. I will stand shoulder to shoulder beside any of these people, mm -hmm. you know, that want yep. to be free. And just, absolutely, you know, absolutely, I, this is a combined effort. Everyone has to start realizing uh, that we have bigger targets here because we're all targeted. Uh, complete, we're all in the, the cross sites here, the crosshairs, and we're all targeted. And when they're fighting each other, uh, they'll never ever see the guys at the top pulling the strings. Yeah. And if I remember right on my history, my father was big into the Southern stuff. Um, you know, people will put Lincoln on their wall about what's a great emancipator, but he only freed people south of the May 6th line. That's right. That's right. Well, okay, thank thanks, for, thanks for calling. And we'll be back with more after these messages. to We the People Radio Network. Now we've got uh, Mo in 
is Mo there from Oregon? Yes, yes. this yeah. is Mo. Can you hear yeah. me good? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, thank you very much uh, for taking my call, uh, Mr. Allen. You know, I would like to talk about uh, the first wave of world collapsing cities, that the collapse would be caused by a combination of falling ecosystem, human-enhanced environmental catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know all the agencies that promote it because that's their whole agenda is to to drum it through our heads there's simply too many of us so as we start reducing the population by force and have a whole bunch of articles from the top institutions which are all led by uh, Harvard professors and various other professors uh, but they go under the guise of non-governmental organizations even though they're funded by the big foundations so you, there's thousands of them I mean this is a whole supra-government uh, that's been set up over a hundred odd years while the people were fast asleep, you know. Hello? I think he's gone. But boy, jump into James from New York City. Hi, Alan. Hello, James. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, I heard you mention or touched on uh, this briefly one time in the past. Um, I was watching an episode of... Uh, Good old Andy Griffith from Mayberry. And, uh, Mayberry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the in this particular episode, it actually took place in Andy's lodge. I think it was called the Order of the Golden Door, something silly like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, him and all his buddies all wore the fez hats, like the Shriners. Yeah. Uh, what is the meaning? What's the esoteric meaning behind the fez hat? Uh, the fez hat was adopted. Um, after Napoleon went in to to fight um, in Egypt, he took his army to Egypt because he was a high a mason. He wanted to get on into the pyramids and so on. And there were uh, a, a, a tribe at one time used to guard that whole area. And that tribe itself uh, fought various so-called Christian uh, intercessors during the years. And in one of their major battles. Supposedly, they took off their white fezes and soaked it in the blood of their Christian enemies, and that became the symbol uh, for eventually the, the Shriners and so on. So it's anti-Christian, if that means anything. Yeah, I, I, I knew that there was some sort of uh, you know dark history to it. I just yeah, and, and they use they use the shimitar sword as well. Again, it's Arabic uh, sword. Yeah. Right. Um, also, I have another quick question for you. Uh, in the Blade Runner film, uh, it seems like it takes place in a Asian country. Uh, it's not really. It's a future society uh, where uh, they bring most of the, uh, many of the Asians over to to uh, the West as well. In fact, you'll find more of that if you read Arthur C. Clarke's 3001, his last novel, where he goes through the different features of people with the, the vast Asian migrations that are, that are still to happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you'll notice, too, in the Blade Runner, every scene is always raining. Right. It's always raining. The sky is overcast because they want to bring out a, a shell around the world where, where it's perpetually cloudy. You won't see the sun eventually. That's, that's their ultimate hope, I think, if the science is advanced. Okay. All right. Thank you for taking my call. I'll let uh, somebody else uh, have their chance. Okay. Yeah, thanks for calling. Good night. Bye now. Yeah, all these movies, again, that they're so predictive and they're programming... 
and when the real things happen, we don't we don't ask too many questions. We just think it's all quite a natural evolution. Yet in ancient times too, you know, you find a lot of folklore attached to even um, Aramaic and Judaic sources. There's a lot more folklore than you'll find in any Bible. It's a, almost a companion to it. And they talk about a time when the world was completely overcast um, with clouds and no one saw a star or, or the sun, so much so that it was forgotten for generations. And, uh, and when they first broke through with the sun, that became the object of worship. And that certainly could be done. However, it have been through many, many ice ages before and warming periods. During the warming period, you get more and more rain occurring naturally as the, southern, as, as the, the northern hemisphere uh, warms up and there's more evaporation from the seas, but it all eventually ends up in the poles and starts the whole process all over with coming down as snow again and starts the freeze. That's how it goes round and round and round for millions and millions of years. So there's nothing new in this at all. And it should be taught in, in junior schools, at least when I was at school, but I've taken it all from the books. But I'm going to go into just that, that little article I was reading there and about the herd instinct and how they're easily managed, and just finish it off on page two. It says here, these results parallel similar findings in ants and fish and show that very simple processes can underlie human behavior, commented Dr. Simon Reeder of Utrecht University, who reports the findings today in the journal Biology of Letters, or Biology of Letters it's called. In experiments, 72 people, 40 women and 32 men, were asked to complete questionnaires in one room, then taken to another room where they were to complete an experiment. We led them one of two routes into the room while talking about other things, and later asked them to return to the starting room, said Dr. Reader. All but one person took the route they had been led. What we were surprised by was how strong this effect was, even when the alternative route was much shorter, he said. They preferred the long route even when the experimenter had drawn attention to the alternative route or when the experimenter took the long route solely to pick up a fallen poster, eliminating the possibility that participants thought the experimenter had a good but unknown reason to take the long route. By asking participants to collect the next guinea pig in the experiment, the scientists observed that each person in the chain copied the route of the participant before them a simple tradition that meant the alternative route was never discovered. In a fire or emergency, then people would likely stick to the familiar evacuation route, even if it was much slower than an alternative. And that also means even if it, if it was rather lethal, they still go the same way to their detriment. So there's always more reasons to do these experiments than the one they're telling you. But what they're looking at is, is mass psychology. And it's all to do as well with what's coming down the pike when they bring plagues in because they'll be, they'll be doing the same thing with traffic all diverting you to other cities as they bring on this total war type situation where it's chaos because we're dealing with the masters of chaos uh, these characters must destroy all of the old to bring in the new the new has been well documented they know exactly where they're going with it all and the, the, the basically um, are going to make it all happen through a war-type scenario. That's what the war is all about. It's a war-type scenario. Uh, I think I've got more from Oregon back on the line there because he was cut off. We'll see if he stays on here. Are you there, Mo? Yeah, can Hello? you hear me, sir? Yes, yes. You're cut off. Yes. Okay, I was talking about that uh, 
United States, Canada, and Mexico, 103 cities will be collapsing by the 2012, and number of people affected initially is 171 million. And then if we go up to all the countries, the, I mean, continents and nations, and the uh, world total would be 541 uh, cities would be collapsing in the total of all the world, and then 1 billion and a half would be affected and then because of them they have to immigrate to some other location so as a result of food shortage of water and those things that we talk at the first uh, time then uh, the whole world will be going to the status in the emergency and collapsing okay yeah okay your, your phone's pretty bad uh, there's a bad line there, so it's hard to make what you're saying, but I get the gist of it. I'll be back with more after these messages. <laughs> great host, great topics, brief speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Two, you'll find it. 
It says, this is from the, the Air Force now, the U.S. Air Force, whether modification will become a part of domestic and international security and could be done unilaterally. It could have offensive and de- de- defensive and offensive applications and even be used for deterrence purposes. The ability to generate precipitation, rain and, and snow, to fog and storms on the earth or to modify space and weather and the production of artificial weather, all are a part of an integrated set of technologies which can provide substantial increase in U.S. or degraded capability in an adversary to achieve achieve global awareness, reach, and power. Global awareness, interesting term that they've used there. And as I say, that's in that this particular article about weather warfare. Now remember, that was published as well in major newspapers when they, the U.S. Air Force said a few years ago they would shortly own, not control, but own the weather that's better than just controlling it. If you control, you may have to rent it, but they'll be actually own it. They may rent it out to others, mind you. And that's where that sort of stuff is going. And after that, I'm going to another one. And this is about Luxembourg. Luxembourg has just followed all a few other countries along the roads to euthanasia. It says, uh, Luxembourg says yes to euthanasia. This article can be found in the Daily Mail. Uh, where's the date on it, though? The date, the date, the date. Uh, February the 20th, 2008. Luxembourg says yes to euthanasia. Luxembourg has become the third European country to legislate and legalize, and legalize euthanasia. The country's parliament passed a law yesterday to allow mercy killing and assisted suicide by 30 votes to 26. The legislation is expected to come into force in the summer. Ouch. Luxembourg has chosen to embrace controversial euthanasia clinics where the elderly can choose to end their lives. Now, remember, that was all shown in the movie um, Soylent Green, where I think it was the actor Meredith uh, goes into a clinic to be euthanized. And, well, here they got it. They wrote about all that all that time ago. And I think the name of that book initially that the movie was based on was Make Room, Make Room. It was actually a predictive programming to get us used to the idea of what was coming. So Luxembourg has chosen to embrace it in the clinics where the elderly can choose to end their lives. You'll find a lot of people will be choosing for them. Jean Hus, a Green Party MP, or what else, Green, eh? and co-sponsor of the bill, said a series of checks and balances would be built into the law. Euthanasia would be allowed only for the terminally ill. Now, that's a, a, a term that any lawyer can get round, terminally ill. See, living means that you're terminally ill. You're going to die as soon as you're born. You're going to die one day. Patients will have had, had to have had repeatedly asked to die on documented and witnessed occasions. It would go ahead only with the consent of two doctors and a panel of experts. Here's those experts again, you see. Euthanasia is already legal in Holland and Belgium. Switzerland allows assisted suicide, but euthanasia is not legal. That's an interesting way to put it. Luxembourg's media said the law was a defeat for Prime Minister Jean-Claude Juncker, whose Christian Social Party opposed it. The Christian Social Party and the Catholic Church were against the euthanasia law, calling it murder, but we said no, it's just another way to go, said Hus. 
And once again, I'm not short because everything that's going on right now, uh, I was reading when I was a child in books that even then were gathering dust in libraries because all the adults at the time were reading novels. So here we are on the road to euthanasia, getting people to, to die voluntarily. All down through the ages, to determine the ill have been helped along their way by their own relatives. And that's the only way that kind of thing could possibly be if the person wants to go. When the state gets involved, you're in big trouble. When bureaucrats and bureaucracies get involved, you're in very big trouble. And that's where we are today with it, massive trouble, because they have a bigger agenda, of course. They simply want these kind of things on the books first. And everything that was on the books and politics and government ends up expanding rather rapidly. So here you have it on a roll, and everyone else will follow suit because these are all part of the European Union. And they will mandate eventually to die. They make it so uncomfortable to be old, just uncomfortable to be old, uh, that you'll want to die. You'll think your purpose is over. Um, and they start withdrawing benefits and all the rest of it from the elderly. Because don't, don't forget, too, they're called the useless eaters. And under the UN Charter, the definition of a good world citizen is someone who both produces and consumes. When you're, you're retired, you're now a consumer. You're a burden on society. And they'll encourage you to pop yourself off. And I'm sure some big pharma company will get the deal for all the, you know, the injections they do it with, too, because they would miss out on that chance. What a world we live in, isn't it? What, a, what an incredible world. Uh, where governments are doing all the things that they blame Adolf Hitler for doing. Uh, isn't it amazing how they can, they can always hold up Adolf Hitler as the numeral uno tyrant we've ever seen in the world while they go steamrolling ahead with the exact same agenda? And they're so good at it, in fact, that we don't see it for what it is. That's the difference. That's the only difference. We don't see it for what it is. They say that Hitler was, was already euthanizing or, or having euthanized all those who were mentally inferior in, in their homes. And so now I've seen the documentaries that were done back in, in the 30s, and they were certainly promoting that. They were, they were ridiculing the, the whole purpose of keeping them alive, those who were mentally unfit or mentally retarded. And this was, this was definitely happening, and they're encouraging doctors to simply get rid of them. And yet here we have a society where the lower classes, it's mainly the ordinary people, you see, who have abortions galore. It's, it's the lower classes uh, who uh, will have the hardest time staying alive once they're elderly because with the cost of living going up the way it is, uh, they're going to have a hard time scraping by. And it's always the ones at the bottom. In other words, the ones that the elite, those with elite mentalities would describe as being unfit. You see, it's the same agenda going through exactly the same way. With the whole New Age phenomenon, living room, Liebenstrom, all of that stuff that we're pushing back then is getting pushed under Save the Earth, etc. There's too many people uh, and all those cries of terror and fear, etc. It's the same darned agenda by the same people that were behind many of the world's problems down through the centuries. Because this is a religion at the top, as I say, and I can't stress that enough. This is truly, truly a religion that's on the go. 
and the public go along with it blindly thinking it's all quite natural. It's quite natural. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they'll bring in a lotto and you'll, or either a short straw to see who's going to be killed off and euthanized today as a useless eater and we'll probably all accept it. Back with more after the following messages. 